Well, I don't know about you, but I fell in love maybe two times in my life. It's a weird way to open up, right? But uh, talking about falling in love with the church and falling in love sometimes can be easy. But in reality, it's infatuation oftentimes, especially when you're a teenager. You think you're in love and you got all these ideas in your head and then you found out you were just infatuated. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, please. How many of you in here have fallen in love and you are in love right now? You are in love. Some of you are married and you're not even raising your hand. Or it was like this. You went like this and you're like, I'm just, I'm just hanging in there. Just another day, Dave, just another day. Princess Kazar was a beautiful princess in the early 19th century. And uh, she, uh, it's an interesting thing about her, she, she was one of those ladies that everybody wanted to date just so they could say they were dating a princess. Or marry, how about that? Marry a princess. <clears throat> uh, but the interesting thing is, out of all those guys that pursued her, 13 of them wanted to marry her, and she turned them, turned them down. I would ask for a show of hands how many have been turned down when you proposed, but that's not necessary right now. That would be embarrassing. But for these guys, it was tragic. They were in love. They were so in love. And after they were turned down, every one of those men committed suicide. Can you imagine? Man. That's tragic. But what's more tragic than that, the fact that they were turned down by this particular princess. I'm not going to say too much about it. Just check her out. Come on now, folks. There's a lot in life to give up on, I'm sure. But really? Really? Now, I know some folks are going to walk away from this and say, Pastor Dave is a horrible person. He's just awful. This body, just love it. She has a mustache, people. No, it's proven. And on certain days, she would shave it if she felt like it was important just to look fresh. Read the history. It's amazing. But they love her. You know what it is? We fall in love with the weirdest things. I'm sorry. She died over 100 years ago. It's not a big deal. It ain't going to hurt her feelings. Listen. Reality is, we fall in love with strange ideas and things. We get infatuated. We do. We get offended easy. Some of you are already, already upset about this one. You know what I'm talking about, folks. <clears throat> but when it comes to the Lord and the church, we tend to back out. We're apprehensive. Do we really need to be in love with the church? Yes, yes we do. And I want to help you with that, how to fall in love with the church. I fell in love with Brianna, and I remember it was here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I saw her for the first time, and we went out that week, and she proposed to me, and I'm like, chill, girl. I don't even know you. I don't give this away to just anybody. A week later, I gave in, you know. 19 years later, I'm in love because there's reasons I love my wife. And there's reasons we don't fall in love with the church. And I'm going to talk about those. What is it about the church that makes us fall in love with it? 
So to answer that question, you first have to understand what the church is. So what is the church? Wow, thank you. Thanks, Mark. Yes, you are right. You are the church. You are the bride of Christ. You are defined as the very word church. Ecclesia, the Greek word, which means a body of believers. A called out assembly of people that are believers. To fulfill the great commission. We are the church. It's not Fellowship Baptist Church, the structure that's around you. We're the church. Every single one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ are the church. William Tyndale said this, that the church is the one institution that exists for those outside of it. We don't exist for self-gratification like, hey, it's all about us. Let's edify ourselves in the sense that we're special. We exist for those outside of the walls of the church. Why? Because it's the local church that shapes the community. It's the church that helps the homeless and reaches the ruthless and the ones that are the rejects. It instructs the families that are clueless. And not only that, it counsels the clueless very often. It cultivates the careless. We're the church and we defeat the enemy by coming together in prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. We are the church. We are the called out. How many of you fell in love with the church while you were growing up in the church? Just out of curiosity, you grew up in church? Raise it high like you actually are proud of that. Good. Me too. I grew up in church in Alabama. Went to Anchor Baptist Church in Alabama as a boy. I got saved in the church as a boy. I started to preach when I was 14 at the church. I met my wife, as I said a moment ago, at the church. I dedicated my kids to the Lord at the church. Yes, married, kids, my next steps in ministry. When my grandmother passed away, it was the church that was there for us. It was the church that helped me through some difficult times when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It was the church that helped us when we were difficult times with Brianna with her gastroparesis. And now that we're going through this difficult time with Logan's cancer, it's the church that's coming alongside of us and helping us and praying with us and being there for us. I love the church. How many are with me? You love the church? Some of you, I don't know what you love, but you need to find out how you can love the church. And the best way to do that is to focus on this. So what is it about the church that draws us? What is it about the church that attracts the lowliest and the down and out and the sinners? We have people that will pop in at our church in the middle of the afternoon just needing help because they saw the sign And they thought, I've seen this sign for the last umpteen years and I've never reached out to them, but I need them. It's the church that attracts people. What is it about the church that causes us to fall in love with it? Have you fallen in love with the church? Because there's some in here I know you haven't just yet. Do you love your church? And I'm not talking about just Fellowship Baptist Church and this, this body of believers here. The church in a whole. If not, let me help you with it. According to 1 Corinthians, in chapter 12, we learn how to fall in love with the church. And we're going to look at Paul's writings. So if you want to fall in love with the church, or maybe you're teetering on it, maybe you feel like you're just infatuated with the idea, then let me help you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, we're going to look at this, and some of this I'm going to paraphrase and just explain. But in order to fall in love with the church, you first have to know your purpose in the church. 
Paul said it this way to the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I don't want you ignorant about this. I want there to be clarity. Wherefore, I give you to understand. I want you to have understanding. I want you to have clarity. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding when it comes to the church. You need to know your purpose in the church, and I want to make it very clear how you can know your purpose in, your church, in the church. And the purpose that you have in the church is defined by your spiritual gift. Very simple, right? Your purpose in the church is defined by your spiritual gift. The Bible explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's diversities of gifts by the same spirit. Verse 5, it goes on and says, there's diverseness of administration, but the same Lord. And then it goes on in verse 6 and says, and there are diversities of operations, but it speaks of it with the same God. The same what? Yes. We're not on different pages when it comes to the church. We're all on the same page, serving the same God. We're going in the same direction. And there's different functions within the church, as Romans 12, 14 says. But all the members do not have the same function, but they all function together. So your purpose is defined by your spiritual gift. The problem is, is most people don't know what a spiritual gift is. They get all nervous and they think it's mystical and weird and we don't touch that. We don't talk about that. It's not in our doctrine, uh, our doctrinal statements. We don't deal with it. Yes, we do. Because we have spiritual gifts as believers. So what is it? A spiritual gift is a special divine empowerment bestowed on us as believers of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit to accomplish a God-given ministry according to his grace and discernment. God knows exactly where you belong in the church and what you're to do according to your spiritual gift. Doesn't mean you have superpowers. Just because some of us look like superheroes doesn't mean we have superpowers. But we have been given opportunities and abilities that go above our talents. So don't get talents confused with spiritual gifts. Talents are physical talents given by God through our parents, giving at physical birth. That's what a talent is, to benefit mankind generally. He's really good at basketball. He helps my team win. Yay. They're really good at accounting. They help my business do well, succeed, so on, so forth. But that's a talent, and you can use those for God's glory, and you should. But spiritual gifts are given by God independent of parents. Spiritual gifts are given at spiritual birth when we give our life to Jesus Christ to benefit the body of Christ particularly. It's all about bringing glory to God and good to the body of Christ by coming together to fulfill the function he's given us, diverse gifts to fulfill diverse administrations, and as the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, diversities of operations. There's different parts of the church that have to operate in different ways, and it is our responsibility as the body of Christ to know our spiritual gift and they use them for God's glory. How can you fall in love with the church if you don't know your purpose in the church? Are you all with me? Your spiritual gift defines your purpose in the church. 
it's important to understand you have a function in the church. And it's important for you to know what that is. And so what are these spiritual gifts? Well, according to the Bible, it's evangelism, pastoring, serving, teaching. Faith is a spiritual gift. Exhortation, discernment, showing mercy, giving, administration. And the Bible also says wisdom and knowledge. But not all of us are going to have these. We might have one or two or three of them, but we can't have all of them. Only Jesus had all of the spiritual gifts. And that's okay for us to understand that. But whatever gift that we do have goes above and beyond our talents. And they're intended to be used within the body of Christ. Because we are the body of Christ. And the head of the church is Jesus Christ. The parts of the body are the believers. And each believer has a function and a responsibility within the church. And that is according to their spiritual gift. I am a very simplistic person. Please tell me you're on the same page as me thus far. Raise your hand. Great. That makes me feel good. Once we know our spiritual gift, well, then we'll know God, our God-given purpose. Why am I here at Fellowship Baptist Church? Why on this day of Connexpo? What is my purpose here at Fellowship Baptist Church? What am I to do? How am I supposed to function? What is the operation that I am supposed to be involved in? What is my purpose? Know your purpose in the church, and your purpose is defined by your spiritual gift. And when you get your spiritual gift understood, and you nail that down, and you say, I know God's called me to be a teacher, an administrator. I have acts of mercy. Not everybody does, right? How many do not have acts of mercy? You do not have mercy. Watch out for those people. They will not be working in the nursery for sure. I don't have wisdom. I don't think I do. I wish I did. Remember, Tony, when I moved here and I chased down that groundhog and it bit Christian and I wanted to catch the groundhog just to cage it up. And I mean, how many people have a pet groundhog? I would have, except it bit my son. And my son had to get rapey shots. Who would have ever thought? Not much wisdom there. Not everybody here has the gift of wisdom. But the gift that you do have has been given to you by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And that purpose is for you to be involved in the church and to fulfill some things that God has for you. Your purpose is directed by the Spirit of God. It's not a Fellowship Baptist Church thing. It's a God thing. Do you understand? We're not the ones that dictate what kind of spiritual gift you have. Now, we might have spiritual gift tests that help you and guide you. We have those available, by the way, if you're just absolutely clueless about your spiritual gift. We have them available through the office or online. But the fact of the matter is, this is God's thing. For the body of believers to know their spiritual gift, which is their purpose, and get active within the church, get plugged in on Connexpo. Your purpose is directed by the Spirit of God according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and verse 11. We know that the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all according to verse 7. Your purpose is directed by the Spirit of God for the profiting of the church. We want to profit the church. We want to add to the church, right? The Great Commission is to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ so that they be, become believers as well. So that they get saved and baptized and add to the church. We want to we build the church. We want to build the body of Christ. We want people 
to have clarity in the relationship with Christ and understand that they were created in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made to be a part of a relationship that he intended for them to have with him. And through that, they can change the world. And God uses the spiritual gifts in their life to do it. And it's for the will of God. It's not just for the profiting of the church, but that verse 11 makes it very clear. It's about his will. It's not about our will. It's all about God's design. So, number two. Everybody still with me? All right, let's check. Raise your left hand if you're still with me. Everybody that raised your right hand, pay attention, okay? All right. In order to fall in love with the church, you have to know your purpose in the church. But second of all, you need to know your part in the church. So, in honor of Pastor Tony, I'm going to bring back an old illustration. Leroy. But I'm going to do it the right way because Pastor Tony used Leroy and his pants fell off. I'm going to be appropriate with Leroy. I'm going to keep his pants on. I even gave him a really cool shirt. Because this is a shirt. Oh, Leroy, get on up here. Life is better with friends. Ain't that nice? I found Leroy. He's digging in the trash, weren't you, old buddy? Me and Ellie were out. We were on a daddy date. I know, I'm weird. And uh, Ellie said, Dad, we were in Canal, and we drove by a church, and she said, there's a weirdo digging in the trash can. I said, Ellie, he might be homeless. Don't call him a weirdo. But just in case he's a weirdo, let's go check him out. So we went over there. Sure enough, the dumpster was overflowing, and this guy right here was all set up like he was digging in it. He wasn't in the dumpster, but he was digging in it, so the church emptied all their stuff out. It was kind of funny to find this guy there, and I said, Ellie, let's take him with us. This was years ago, and when he, we'll take pictures together with him. It's going to be fun. If you know my, my daughter, Ellie, she loved it, you know? Here's a picture of us together. I, we... we <laughs> We went everywhere. I don't even know why we're in a cornfield. We just go to the weirdest places, but Leroy went everywhere with us that day, and he's been a part of our family ever since, right, buddy? He's got a crick in his neck. But Leroy is going to represent the body of Christ, Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm sorry, this is the best I have. It's probably very fitting for Fellowship Baptist Church, but... You have to know your part in the church. And let me say it this way. Your part is one of many. It's not just a nose, an eye, and an ear, and a head. It's arms and legs and fingers, fingernails. Every part matters. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, for as, many, as the body is one, the Bible goes on and says, and hath many members. And all the members of that one body being many. He's emphasizing the many for a purpose. In verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. In other words, all that are believers are a part of the body of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We're all in this together. There's not just a one-man show. It's not just about the wrist or the hand or the elbow, or the shoulders, or the arm, or the leg. It's about the whole body. Because each one of these pieces represents somebody in the church. And that somebody can only perform that piece, that function within that piece of that body, by knowing their purpose. And what is the purpose? Their spiritual gift. 
You can't move that hand properly unless you know how properly to function that hand or move that hand, the operation of that hand by knowing your spiritual gift. We are our big family. It's a huge family. And you know with a big family, there's big problems, complications. How many like family reunions? Raise your hand. How many say I could do without them? Wow, more raising their hand on that one than the other. You know why? Because it seems like you can't just together, get together and have some potato salad. We have to talk about everybody's issues and problems and the ones that didn't show up. Because big families sometimes have big problems. Same with the body of Christ. I hate to say it, but we have problems within the body of Christ at times. Not because of the head, which is the Lord. He has intentions for us to do right. We're to have the mind of Christ. But we get so captivated with things, we get pulled away from what God has called us to do as a family. But I'm glad I'm not alone. Even though we have a big family and within big families we have some weird people. How many have a weird uncle? Don't be ashamed of your weird uncle. Yeah, Logan, I mean, Jordan just raised his hand. He's got a, I hope you're talking about Uncle Danny or probably Uncle Denny. Love you, Denny. But the fact is, even in a big church family, we have the same thing. We're not always going to agree with people. We're not always going to see eye to eye. There's a lot of people in this family. Well, I don't like them. Well, get over it. Well, I don't want them to be a part of the body of Christ. We should cut that arm off. It don't work that way. We are all in this together. And we need to be serving together and operating together in the same direction. Functioning in the same direction. Aren't you glad you're not alone in this? You say, I like being alone. I do too. I'm a weird guy. I told them in the first service, one of the places I go to get away from people is a cemetery. And I'm afraid some people will still find me in the cemetery. I'm surprised nobody's haunting me in the cemetery. I, I like going there to be just to get away from everything because it's quiet and nobody talks to me. And I pray and I just, it's, it's just my time. If somebody starts to talk to me, <laughs> then we're in a bad situation. But we were not meant to be alone. There's too many loners in the church. The body of Christ has many people. You say, I just don't like to be around people. It's healthy to be around people. Just the right kind of people. It's important for you to serve with people because we bear one another's burdens. And your part is very intentional. Know your part in the church because your part is one of many, but it's very intentional according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 15 through 20 explains it like this. What if the foot, and I'm paraphrasing, what if the foot looked at the hand and says, I'd rather be a hand? We'd have a problem. Or the hand looked at the foot and says, I'd rather be a foot. Can we swap places? No, we can't. The ear says, I don't like to hear. I'd rather smell. And the nose says, well, I'd rather hear. That's a problem. It don't work that way. If you're trying to hear through your nose, you're not going to have good results. How many understand that? It's very intentional the way the body works. And that's why the Bible clarifies that this is an example of the body of Christ. We have an intentional spot in the body of Christ. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. It pleased God to put a finger here and not sticking out the forehead. 
God created us in a specific way. Can you imagine when God created us, if he allowed us to have an eyeball here in the center of our head and one here and here? Maybe it would benefit having an extra eye. Or in the back of our head, huh, with kids? That would be beneficial. But it pleased God to design the body specifically like this. And the body of Christ is the same way. So when we start arguing and complaining that I'm in the wrong spot, I should be in the choir. Well, you can't sing, and that's okay. That's okay. Right? Is that okay? I can't sing. I did a youth rally one time and asked Tony to come up and help me with a a part of the youth rally in Alabama, and it was singing. God help us. I didn't know, I don't I didn't know at that time how bad Tony sang. It was the most embarrassing moment ever. I think you even quit. You just quit, didn't you? You were just like, ah. It was so awkward. Thank God there was only like 50 people there. Who stops in the middle of the song? The guy that can't sing? Because Tony maybe wasn't the mouth in the sense of singing. He was meant to do something else. Preaching, yes. The fact of the matter is the same goes with the body of Christ. Too often we place ourselves in a part of the church that doesn't fit. Hmm. When we do that, bad things happen. Me and Tony used to work for my dad. We did vinyl siding growing up. Um, And my dad had this big dually truck. And there was a specific way. If you know me, I'm very specific about everything I do. Everything is very intentional. I want it in a certain spot, a certain place. I do it a certain way. My dad was like that, and so often he would say, all right, let's load the truck up, scaffolding goes here, the ladders go here, the brake goes here, trash goes here, and the big box of nails always goes here. Remember that big box of nails, Tony? My dad made this big box out of wood, and he filled it with nails, and they were siding nails. They're like roofing nails, easy to penetrate a tire. My dad says, Dave, I'm very intentional about where this goes. Put it here, strap it this way, and make sure it's here. I was in a hurry. I wanted to go home. It's Alabama. I was sweating like crazy. I wanted to be done. So I rushed through. My dad says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to come back, and we'll get the rest of the stuff. Dad left, right? I loaded the box of nails. He comes back. He looks so stressed out. He said, Dave, did you load those nails? I said, yes, I did. He said, did you know I lost those nails in the road at a four-way stop in the middle? All of them, all over the road. I said, really? Tony loaded those nails. (laughs) Tony! He'd always get me in trouble. Side note, one time he wanted to kill some wasp, and he would take a piece of siding, and he'd hit them. I'm I'm very allergic to bees. And I said, would you stop doing that? While I'm saying, would you stop doing that, he hit a wasp, stuck to my face, and stung me. My whole face swelled up. I, I, was, I, I didn't go anywhere for like three days. Thank you. So he deserved me. He deserved for me to blame him for the box of nails. But it was my fault because I wasn't intentional. I asked my dad, what did you do? He said, there was people pulling off to the side of the road. There was people with flat tires. It was a mess, Dave. It was, a, it was an absolute mess. I said, what did you do? I felt so bad. He said, I ran. <laughs> God bless my dad. He left the scene of the crime. There would never be a scene of the crime if I was intentional about what my dad had in store for that box. He wanted it in a specific place. See, in the body of Christ, we sometimes use our gifts to perform the wrong part. 
We're not intentional about what we're getting plugged into and it doesn't work. It creates problems. Like for instance, the zealous volunteer model is I want to do everything. They're energetic and they're zealous and they're going to Connexpo and they're going to go to every table and try every food and they're going to sign up for everything. I'll work the nursery. I'll work first impressions. I'll be in the choir. Oh yes, I'll do safety. Give me a gun. I'm ready to go. It doesn't work that way. It's like Leroy saying, I want this arm right here, this hand, to be the nose. I want it to be the ear. I want it to be the belly. I'm going to do it all, right? And Leroy can't do it all because each body part was meant to do a specific thing. The hand is good at waving, combing the hair, whatever the case may be. But God specifically has the same intentions for the body of Christ. We were not meant to dive into everything and be zealous and think we can own it all because you will burn out and it wasn't made to do that. You ever hurt your arm and have it in a cast and the other arm's doing all the work? I just had somebody had hip surgery and they told me that other leg, I'm afraid my hip's going out on it. But the reality was they were leaning on that other leg for so long to relieve the hip. It just caused stress here. Do you, you understand what's happening Within the body of Christ, we not, need not to be zealous. We need to be balanced. The desperate volunteer model is when, we, when we'll take anybody. Anybody. doesn't matter who they are. The ones that connect bones say, come on over here. Come on. We'll give you five gift cards if you just get into the nursery. And they have no gift of mercy. It would be a catastrophe for them to be in the nursery. We are not desperate when it comes to the body of Christ. Each one of you are already equipped. You're equipped with a spiritual gift and you have a purpose. And God has a plan. And you get plugged in where you need to be plugged in according to your spiritual gift. And knowing your part in the church and understanding that there's many parts and it's very intentional and God has a, God has a plan for you is desperately important for you to get. Because if not, we'll have the chaos church model. That's a small amount of people doing everything. That's the one that says, hey, I can do it all. I can do it all, but you can't because you're just the hand. There's some things you have to learn to let go and allow others to do because we're not in this alone. And in order for that to happen, we need people to go to Connexpo and get plugged in because five people can't run the nursery, not successfully, probably not even legally, we need more. Know your part in the church. Your part is one of many and it's intentional. And your part is necessary. According to the word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we can't do it without you, no, no matter how minute it may be to you. The Bible speaks of this in verse 22 as the feeble parts. They're, they're necessary parts. They're the parts that we look at and go, ah, is it, is it really that important? Even if it's an annoying part, like a nose hair, as gross as that is. You can't pluck all those nose hairs, folks. You get sick. God designed those for a purpose, even though they're annoying as you get older and you're like, what is that? It's like fingers coming out my nose. But the fact of the matter is they're there to help you. You may think those people that are unnecessary in the church that do this little job here, little no, this job here, are not important. But according to the word of God, every one of them are a necessity. 
They're honorable in their position according to verse 23. We need them. Even the uncomely parts, as they say in this passage of Scripture, the ones that are not very appealing, like the little toe, right? I have ugly toes. I cover them up frequently. And Ellie always reminds me, if I'm just chilling in my own house, my house, people, she says, Dad, something's wrong with that baby toe. It's pointy. You've known that forever. Why do you just bring it up randomly when I'm just relaxing? Just to taunt me? You're a bully. Now go get me a glass of tea and get out of my face. <laughs> no, it's constant. Every time I take my shoes off. Mom, did you see Dad's toes? She married me. Of course she's seen my toes. She loves them. Even the weird pinky toe. But you cut off my weird pinky toe, I won't walk normal. Gotta have it. The big toe can't, can't run the show. The other toes can't do it alone. They need the weirdo at the end. And whether you feel like you fit in or you don't fit in, it doesn't matter. You are a part of this and you're important. So jump in. Your part is a necessity. It's vitally important. I say this. When it comes to our parts in the church and what we do, we may feel like I'm not, you're not special or you feel like you're an outsider, but you're an encourager. How about that spiritual gift, faith? You are a believer. I believe some people have greater faith than others. They're prayer warriors in ways that I can't even imagine being. I need those people. Sometimes they feel like, well, I never get up and sing. I don't teach, I don't preach. I don't have a class. Where do I fit? You fit exactly where you're at. And where that is on the body of Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, matters. I don't know what it looks like, but it matters. When I had my LASIK surgery, you remember Tony went with me and Chris went with me and we had our LASIK surgery and there was one lady, I think her name was Kelly, and all her job was to do is hold my hand. I didn't want her to hold my hand. I'm a man. I don't need some lady to hold my hand while I get my eyeball cut open. Yes, I do. I laid there, and I remember she says, my job is just to hold your hand. Just squeeze if you're nervous. Just squeeze it. I'm like, I'm not nervous. Why would you think I'm nervous? Until the doctor said, what we're going to do is we're going to laser your eyeball and peel off the skin. You're going to go blind for about 10 seconds. The pressure was on. I started squeezing. I really wanted to cry, but I thought I might go blind permanently of tears. And then you could smell it. It was horrible. Yeah, I know. And the laser did its thing, and then they're peeling it like, you're about to go blind. Yay! I came, to, I came here to get 20-20 vision. I'm going to go blind. <clears throat> but Kelly was there. And all her job was, is to hold my hand. Now what if Kelly said, I don't want to hold your hand. I want to cut your eyeball open. <laughs> Problem there, it doesn't work. You may feel like this is a small job. But your job was a necessity because it got me through that. Yeah. So when you get to the point where you feel like you're not a necessity 
in the body of Christ, you better step back and realize that spiritual gift was given to you from God, and it's important. And you need to own it. And your, your part is also connected to every other part. The body would be a mess if we weren't connected. Do you understand? We need this bone structure to keep us together. Fellowship Baptist Church will fall apart if we're not connected. I like how 1 Corinthians says this about your part being connected. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24, but God hath tempered the body together. We are together in this. But there's problems that will arise. In verse 25, it's called a schism in the body of Christ. What is that? It's a split or a gap or a division. It's when there's a problem. And there's the problem is so drastic that it hurts the rest of the body. It's a dislocation. How many of you ever had a bone dislocated? It's painful, right? A finger dislocated. And when that happens, the whole body is affected by it. You feel pain everywhere because somebody within the body or a, a part in the body has been disconnected. And it may be because of sin. And it may be because of, of just, just life in general and they've gotten out of church and they're no longer a part of what's going on. Like when your hand falls asleep in the middle of the night and you literally think while you're flopping that all over the place, am I ever going to feel my hand again? Until your spouse wakes up and slaps you very hard and you realize, oh, I get it. It's just asleep. But I'm afraid we have a lot of sleepers in the church. And ain't nobody going to come across and slap you, try to wake you up. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you, to lead you, and direct you. It is your responsibility to realize, I wasn't meant just to exist. I was meant to function. And we're all in this together and we're all connected. And if I do fail and I do fall, the church families to come alongside of me and lift me up and restore me. I have multiple sclerosis, so my white blood cells go nuts. White blood cells are good things. They get, away, they get rid of all the sickness. They destroy it. But my white blood cells are all messed up. Whoever the chief is, is jacked up in his brain because the chief is going... Hey, he's doing really well. Let's go ahead and eat his nerve endings while we're at it, huh? How about that, white blood cells? And then they head to my brain and start chewing away. And then my arm may not work or my eyes may not work. Something goes wrong because my body is working against itself. That is the same with the body of Christ if we're not careful. If there's a schism in the church... We have to be willing to deal with it because we're all in this together. And when we go to Connexpo and we realize life is better with friends and life is better together, we have to realize life is still life and there's still people. So when you go through hard times and you have schisms, you don't quit the ministry. You don't give up and you don't give in. You don't throw in the towel. You get up and you go on. And when you do sin and you do fail, according to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. You have to be considerate one to another. We have to be tenderhearted toward one another. And the Bible even goes on to say, to bear ye one another's burdens. 
So how do we do that? If a fault takes place, that means there's a sin. There's a disconnect. It's dislocated. We do it in spirit of meekness and we put it back in the right place. Meekness means care and gentleness. My, mo- my, my mom, I don't know why I said my mom. Love you, mom. I was my wife. Um, right here, years and years ago, <clears throat> there was a rope hanging from the ceiling and we were doing a, a, a VBS. And Ellie, my zealous little daughter, wanted to swing out on the rope. She was just little. So Brianna was like, oh, just be careful. Oh, I'll help you. And Ellie's swinging way out on a rope, but somehow my wife, who wasn't on a rope, slipped and fell right here. Hurt her arm, her shoulder. So I saw a lot of movies, you know, when people dislocate a shoulder. And I'm thinking to myself, why why go to the ER when we know what to do? So I took my wife and I said, listen, baby, come out here. And she said, it hurts and it's... I said, I know, you look like Quasimodo, but we're going to fix that. We're going to fix that right now. So I took her arm and I said, why don't we just kind of push it back in place? You know, it, they do it on the movies. Usually you'd probably hit it against the wall, but that's not necessary. Just, there's wires in there. So I took her arm gently, so I thought. And I was like, here, ready? And my wife goes, oh, it hurts worse, it hurts worse. So we go to the emergency room. I know some of you are judging me right now. You've done dumb things too. That's okay. I can take the judgment. I leave for Florida tomorrow for two weeks. Don't care. (laughs) Judge me for two weeks, but when I come back, I hope you're over it. We go to the doctor and the doctor said, oh yeah, we have a problem here. It wasn't dislocated, just tore something. It looks like it tore worse because... Your husband, if he didn't do what he did, you would probably be doing a whole lot better. What's the point? I'm an idiot. I have no wisdom. That's not my spiritual gift. But besides all that, I did not restore her with care and gentleness, as this verse says. We laugh and you judge, but the reality is we're doing it every day in the church. I'm no longer friends with him. I don't know what that was. I'm no longer friends with him. I'm done with them. Facebook, I'm cutting them off. I'm finished. I'm never going to talk to them again. I'm dropping out of that ministry. I quit church. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm this. I'm I, 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 I. Get over yourself. It's not about us. We're the body of Christ. We're all in this together. And ain't nobody going to be cutting that arm off and you just go on your merry way. We're stuck together. So let's get it right with care and meekness. Let's restore one another. Let's forgive and love and move on because the legs can't move if the foot quits and the arms can't operate in the right fashion and the function as the Bible says in Romans, if the elbow quits bending and the forearm quits working, we have to keep moving and functioning together. We our Fellowship Baptist Church. We are family and we are the body of Christ because we are born again believers and we will do the Great Commission, but we can't do it alone. 